into another episode of Crunch Time. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, along with Theo the Juggernaut. Theo, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing great. It's uh, it's March Madness. It's time to get going. It's time to look at the brackets, baby. Your diaper danders, your 512s, you name it. You got to Got to give a shout out to Dick Vitale, I tell you. If it wasn't for Dick, I don't think I would be that excited for March Madness. The sad part is Dick Vitale um, rejected an offer from CBS. A yeah, lucrative offer. I, I was shocked about it's, that. It's a difficult spot. I mean, Dick's had a couple of incredibly tough years. And when he gets to make those, uh, you know, those in-person events, the crowds get wild. I mean, if you see Cameron, I mean, Cameron's probably one of Dick Vitale's favorite places to go watch a basketball game in Duke. And when he shows up, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Like, it's just crazy what he does. And... I mean, he's been – he's one of those guys that's been almost four decades. I mean, he's like the staple. He's the pinnacle of, you know, March Madness bracketology broadcasting. I mean, he's just that guy. And, you know, Greenberg's there and, you know, uh, Billis is now there, so they're kind of carrying on the, the flag, if you will. But Dickie V, baby, you know, it's got to be the way. So uh, hopefully he gets to stick around for a little bit longer to watch a couple more before he gets out of here. That that's gonna be uh Theo, I think that's gonna be you in 30 years, right? <laughs> Except I don't follow as much basketball as Dickie. I mean <laughs> I follow a lot of sports and I'm really more into the backside of it. And as you've probably watched and seen over the last year or two or six years of me doing this, it's me looking at the story that's untold rather than the story that everybody sees on page one of the sports report. I mean I don't look at stats very often. I don't. I look at who wins and who loses because that's what sports is all about. You have a winner and you have a loser. You have an element of human error, but more importantly, what is the backstory here? What are we missing? What's not being talked about? What's not being told? And that's kind of still my main drive to continue to with, you know, discussing sports in every way, shape, or form. Yeah. So with that being said, Theo, March Madness is here. I mean. It- First game tips off tonight at five forty, and the, the, the buy-ins, right? And we got the, the we got the bracket right here. Yeah, yeah. So you got Semo uh, Southeast Missouri State playing their playing in the first game, and the thing is, the great part about it is, I used to cover one of the kids on that team with Moville. Yeah, I used to. I mean that that's that's just crazy enough watching. It's it's appointment television for me, or at least it should be, because he's turned into a really good player. Um, and Dylan, good luck, man. It's yeah. going to be a tough road, but I think they can at least make some noise. There's well, I mean, a lot of teams in Texas, this tournament. Playing a pretty decent team in Texas A&M, and I mean, for Corpus these Christi, young- right? Uh, Corpus Christi, yeah, Texas. Yeah. I mean, you look at these, you know, these play-in games. The play-in games are so exciting because it's teams that usually have never made the tournament before. And the first, if you watch these first two games, I mean, Pitt and Mississippi State, a little more seasoned of a team, two season teams. They've been to the dance before, but you look at the emotion in the first ten minutes of this game, and it's an all-out blockbuster event. I mean, it's just fantastic to see, and you finally see them, the team that settles into their game plan most often kind of pulls out and wins the game in the long run. But, I mean, just the excitement for these teams to finally get started and be a part of something like this, it's truly incredible. It really is. And going off of that, Theo, there are a bunch of powerhouses in this tournament. Now, powerhouses does not necessarily mean you'll win this tournament. You'll probably have your Cinderella's in there, uh, like Loyola Chicago was a few years ago. 
Uh, but of these teams, of the 64 teams in this big tournament, who, like, who are you paying the most attention to? Well, you know, I'm looking over, like, I haven't filled out my bracket yet. That's tonight's job because I want to do it right before the two games that happened. So I've looked at a lot of these matchups. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the top, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the ones, I mean, obviously Alabama got the, the overall number one. They have been the best team the entire season. You know, they've got a fantastic roster, a couple of great guys, including a freshman that looks just like Bradley as well. That could be the number one draft pick this year. But I, I really like the way Kansas plays. I like the way Kansas goes inside and out. They can play big. They can play a little with the guards. A seasoned team, they're not very young, but at the same time, they've got a build to go. You can't deny, like that bracket in the West is insane. I mean, you talk about like you talk about group of death in soccer. You talk about the pool, the four seeds, the top four seeds with Kansas include Kansas, UConn, UCLA, and Gonzaga. Okay, Gonzaga is always a powerhouse on the west side. UCLA is a little bit injured. They got a couple of players that may or may not come back. If they were healthy, they would have been a number one seed. And UConn, UConn plays almost as good, if not a better, game inside than Kansas. Those four teams, I think whoever comes out of the West will be the most battle-tested. Can they stay healthy? Will we remain to be seen? But I think the West will bring out the champion of the NCAA this year and probably be one of those four teams. I'm also looking at Duke because Duke's, I mean, as much as I'm not a Duke baby, I'm a UNC guy, know that. Duke's come in and won nine games in a row, and they won their tournament. They won the ACC tournament coming in. If any team is going in on a high, it's got to be the Blue Devils. And they're really playing at a high pace, high efficiency. They're playing great defense, and they're really doing a great job in three or four aspects of that game. Do I look at for other teams? I mean, Purdue, Purdue finally has an opportunity as a one seed coming out of the East, and they're doing pretty good deals. But the thing is, it's rare that we see a one team make it all the way to the Final Four. I mean, you give them so much hype. You give them so much uh, excellence over the course of the season. But when it comes down to the March Madness, three things come in play. Health, if you're relying on the three ball, you die by the three ball. And whether or not you've got a balanced attack and good perimeter defense. Those, those perimeter defenders are so important now. And we see it in the NBA, too, because they are, dime, they are so important for trades. So important to be part of a team going into the playoffs. Those three things will matter most when it comes to March Madness. Yes, they will. Who are you looking at? Looking I'm, at Missouri? I'm looking at Mizzou. I mean, Mizzou, Illinois. Illinois is battle-tested, too. I, 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 The Big Ten was tough. And Illinois under Brad Underwood the last few years have been unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, Illinois – Mizzou, I like Dennis Gates, man. I really do. I like what he's done with that program this year. I really do. Uh, they beat some teams that no one really saw coming. Uh, one guy I like to pay attention to on Mizzou is Kobe Brown. Okay. I mean, he's an absolute beast. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in these tournaments, in, in this tournament. And the funny part about that is, where in the hell do they schedule these players? Uh, brackets anyway these pools because you would think teams like mizzou illinois well at least mizzou being the midwest okay they're in the south region why why would you have them in the south region when you have uh utah state in the south exactly like i just would like to know the mindset of some of these 
You got to fit as many of these teams geographically. I get it. I mean, some... but uh, again, you say it though, geographically. You got Gonzaga in the West. You have UCLA in the West. If you have UCLA in the West where they should be, why isn't Mizzou in the Midwest where they should be? Or KU hey. in the in the Midwest where they should be? I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not denying that. I mean, there's always I mean, a couple uh, of right. teams that, there's always a couple of teams that look like they say, "Okay, why am I playing five thousand kilometers away from or three thousand miles from where I'm at?" And, and you bring up KU. I can't trust KU. In these tournaments, I can't because every time they're Kansas up to the big league. Hold on, no, uh, Kansas. I can't trust Kansas in this tournament because every year, if they have a lead going into halftime, who knows if they're gonna if they're gonna choke that up in the second half. Yeah, they they're not a team that can keep a lead, at least not what they've shown. So they need to show me something this year for me to even believe in Kansas. Okay. I mean, I I my I don't have diaper dandies per se, but you know, if I had to look at a team that wasn't a one, I really like the way Arizona played all year. I like I said, UConn was a team that I followed a little bit because up here we do get a lot of that Big East East Coast basketball on Saturday afternoons as opposed to the West Coast teams like the Zags and the Marys and whatnot. But I mean, those are my two squads I'm looking at. And then if I had to pick one more, you know. I'm I I don't know like I'm I'm a, it's a toss up it's a toss up as battle tested as Michigan State is they didn't have a great season but Tom Izzo always brings the boys to play when it comes to March Madness now they're a seven seed they're nineteen and twelve they're going up against USC I'm not a USC fan but I think Tom Izzo may have one more one good run with these guys coming in so those are the teams I'm kind of looking forward to the stronger teams the ones that come in inside and out. You know, I, I like good deep basketball, the old school, the old school 90s basketball, which we'll get into a bit of theory later on when we get to our good boy talking about battle tested 90s basketball versus today's basketball. So let's continue on, my good friend. Let's continue on. Let's switch gears, per se. Uh, go to let's go to NFL free agency, because there have oh. been some crazy I mean, it all started with Derek Carr going to the Saints. Now, did you like that move, first of all? Did you like – I mean, well, Derek Carr is a – He wasn't going to go play in Las Vegas. He was done. Okay, so of the nine or 11 teams that made available, the fact that they wanted a quarterback, you knew he wasn't going to Houston. The Jets are still waiting out on Aaron Rodgers, which I think is a good and a bad thing in itself. New Orleans – probably snuck the apple out and said, hey, listen, this is what our conference is doing. This is what our division is doing. Look at our division, how so weak it is at the pivot. You could be the A1 pivot for these next couple of years in New Orleans. And it's a plug and play where you still have some pretty good assets and a phenomenal defense to cover you. You know, So your defense is still going to be there, hopefully. You've got a pretty good offensive weapon in Alvin Kamara still, who's aging, but at the same time, you know, maybe he gets a bit of resurgence with Derek Carr. Derek Carr can throw the ball. Okay, so he's got a couple of good wideouts in Alave, and I think Michael Thomas might come back. Hopefully, he just he's been injured the last couple of years. But other than those, other if you look at the other three teams in that division, I mean, if you would have if you would have gone to Tampa Bay, that might have been a better scenario. I don't know, but New Orleans is a pretty good fit for Derek Carr. It's a pocket passer. He's very similar to Drew Brees. He doesn't like to throw a lot of ints. And he can win you a game in the end. He can. Also, 
you know, people will say, oh, he's in, and I've, I said this, and then I thought about it. He is a perpetual eight, nine win quarterback. Well, you know, he was on a, a couple of bad rosters in Vegas slash Oakland. I mean, a very bad roster. See, there was one or a couple of years he had a decent roster. He still didn't go to the playoffs, but he didn't have the roster to get him to the playoffs. Had a couple of nice weapons, but in in um, New Orleans, he'll have more weapons. I really think this is a good move for Derek Carr. I just wish they were more proactive in New Orleans after Drew Brees retired because yeah, I, I kind of knew going in, Theo, you had the open mind when it came to James Winston, but now you see what I saw early on. He's not that good. Well, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I mean, Jameis Winston threw for 5,000 yards. Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston threw 37 touchdowns. Okay, 5,000 yards. Sword, the other side of the sword is the 33 INTs. Okay. Yeah, you know. exactly. You know, That's I mean, why yeah, 5,000 yards. 5,000 yards is great. But when it doesn't get you to the playoffs, doesn't even get you anywhere close, then there's something wrong. Right. And, that's, and he's and that's, not doing something on another another spectrum. No. You know, so um, I, I'm just, I'm kind of really happy for that move. I'm also happy what Las Vegas did and bringing Jimmy Garoppolo. That is a very interesting move to me and a very good move to me. Um, Explain that because I'm going to go on the other side of it. You go. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is the right quarterback for that system. Jimmy Garoppolo is the best for that system. If they can build around him, they they have Darren Waller already. They have a couple of nice pieces other than that. Uh, the defense, not terrible. I mean, they push Kansas City to the brink. I mean, let's. I mean, Kansas City, the best team in football. You're pushing them to the brink. Yeah, I. I you get every bit of praise you deserve on a defensive side of the ball. Offensive side of the ball still needs some work, but you got a draft coming up. If you can build the right way, this could be a very good acquisition for the Oakland. Well, I'm going to still say Oakland. I don't care. The Oakland Raiders. So. That's just my mind, Theo. Do you? Why do you not think this is a good move? First, I'm a Chargers fan, not a Raider fan. Secondly, I, I, I know. But that, I'm talking. Can you tell me the offensive? Okay, the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is, is the two most important parts of your construct, your philosophy of being an NFL player, and that includes your ability. What's your major abilities? Your availability. And your reliability. And Jimmy Durable. Garoppolo, let me finish. Jimmy Garoppolo, yes, is one of three quarterbacks to have an over 700 win percentage, including Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Still active. It's a good stat. Yes, absolutely. He is a mentor and a manager of an offense like no other. He does a really good thing when he's playing behind center. The Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders do not have the strongest of offensive lines, not like the San Francisco 49ers that he has been injured with perennially the last three years. He has not finished a season in the last three years with the San Francisco 49ers. Outside of going to almost the Super Bowl, he has not gone an entire season without injury. Number two, you talk about weapons. He has the best running back from last year franchise tagged he has Darren Waller and yes he has Mr. Aaron Rodgers number one weapon in Devontae Adams 
that's three really great weapons. And like you said, you're not going to tool for the now unless you're going to draft those, you're going to trade those draft picks for players that are going to come in right now to be successful at the present. Well, no. Jimmy Garoppolo, I will say, I'm going to put money on, I'll put money against you on this, Joe, right now. We'll have a worse win loss record than Derek Carr last year. You don't even think he'd It'll win under nine first games. Season under 500, yes. Okay. I mean, even an eight win season, you're under 500 now, which yep. is an odd number of NFL games. But the only F- X factor is McDaniels as the head coach because McDaniels is bringing this in because him and Jimmy G worked in New England together. And this might be his coup d'etat, his last swan song as a head coach, honestly, because it would be the second failed attempt McDaniels now has as a head coach, the first one being in Denver. Let's stay, let's stay in that division. What are your Chargers not doing? Why, why, why haven't I heard the Chargers name in anything? Well, they've signed up. They've got, they've got Keenan and they've got Williams locked up. Eckler's locked up. Their offensive line, they're retooling two guys. Herbert's still there, of course. Uh, I think they're trying to work out some of the salaries on the defensive end because Bosa and Khalil have to still be on page, on board with what they've done. The interesting part of the Chargers roster wasn't, in fact, the team, but it was the administration. It was the coaching that made the big splash at the end of the year because there are so many Chargers fans that still feel Staley should be out of a job after having a terrible sub-sub performance defensively. And you scapegoat an offensive coordinator. You're bringing in the dude from Dallas. Okay. But your defensive coordinator and your defensive positions have not been addressed to their best ability. And I think because Staley is still calling the defensive and they're going to have, uh, what's his face from Dallas, uh, Jerry Jones, old boy. Um, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore would be given the reins uh, independently to run the offense. And I think Staley and they're up, they're bringing up one of their defensive line coordinators, I believe, to be the DC. They're going to still run the defense. This is Staley's probably one or two last draws before he will be under more hot water because there was so much of an expectation for the Chargers to do well to make the playoffs to do well, that second half against Jacksonville will be the biggest black mark of the season for the Los Angeles Chargers last year. And it was. You know, I even, when that happened, Theo, I even said, should I even talk to Theo at this time? I mean, or should I should I wait a few days? Because that you know was... What? So many things went right in the first half for so many things to go wrong in the second half. And... You know, it, that's just the way the game is. I mean, it's about, you know, it's you have an amazing game plan coming in the first 15 minutes. It's how you respond in the third quarter. I mean, Tom Brady goes on record and always says the seven minutes of the second and the last seven minutes of the second and the first seven minutes of the third dictate how a game is won and lost. And if you looked at how that game transpired four months, five months ago with Jacksonville, that is where the Chargers lost their momentum. So, Proof is in the pudding. Now, I got a question for you, though, Joe, because your boy, now that he's come out of solitary confinement and he's still on Mac. He still hasn't made a decision. And here's the thing that I've got to ask you, okay? You've got all your eggs. Like, look at what the New York Jets have done in the last week. 
They've freed up almost $25 million in roster. They have every single offensive weapon, basically outside of going on TikTok or Instagram, saying to Aaron Rodgers, hey, get over here. Help us win. You know, we've freed up. We've rescheduled. We've retooled our roster. We've retooled our salaries to make room for you to come. And what is Aaron Rodgers doing? Humming and hawing about it. Meh, maybe not. Maybe I will. Well, we know he can't go to Las Vegas. He's not. Maybe he's going to Tampa. I don't know. Maybe he wants to go to the Sunshine State. But if you're an organization that has made this such an attractive position to go to the New York Jets, and he doesn't even want to do that because he's not he's not excited. You know, like Derek Carr was excited to go to New Orleans. Jimmy G was excited to get to Las Vegas. You want a player to be excited. Jalen Ramsey, when Jalen Ramsey got traded to the Dolphins, he was ecstatic. He solidified that secondary for the Dolphins, which will be phenomenal on paper. Whether or not they do that on the field remains to be seen. But you talk about a player that is, meh, not so excited. Meh, I kind of like it. We'll see what happens. Eh, I'll make a decision sooner than later. Eh, it's coming up soon. He's humming and hawing. It's all about the Aaron Rodgers show. And this should be a massive red flag to any team outside of the Green Bay Packers that wants to sign and give up a massive haul for a guy that gives you one or two seasons to potentially get to the playoffs. I just don't – I if I was so excited – I would be so excited to the moon to work with the New York Jets after what they've done. But he's humming and hawing on it. And to the up to the administration and to the staff of the New York Jets, to the brass, that would be a red flag for me. What do you think? All right, I'm going to say it. This asshole needs to make up his mind soon. I'm I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that. Look, he's become one of my favorite players on the field. But what he's done off the field, I lose my respect for him. You know, it, you know, all you care about is winning MVPs. He doesn't bring up Super Bowls. He brings up MVPs. It's, Wait, it's let me, let me, what kind of a player he is. What's his name? Uh, Gron- Gronk goes out and says, shouldn't we be worried about winning Super Bowls, not MVPs? This was a while back. I know I'm bringing up old news. But it, it makes sense. Shouldn't you be worried about winning Super Bowls or getting to Super Bowls more than winning MVP? Because most of the time when you go to a Super Bowl, chances are you'll be the damn MVP. Or at least be in the top two. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. Look at Jalen Hurts. Top two in MVP voting. They were in the Super Bowl. Focus on getting the damn Super Bowls. And don't don't talk about, oh, a dark retreat. Dude, really? What are you, the den mother? Well, I mean, he's, he's, is... he's the next guy that's on Young and the Restless or Days of Our Lives. Or yeah, the yeah. Beautiful. I you swear, know? I should play the Days of Our Lives theme on here. And, and, sure. and literally, it, it, that's, that's how bad it's become. Like, sands through the hourglass, what is Aaron Rodgers' next move? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. 
he better make a damn decision soon because I'm, I'm – well, What I don't get is why the Green Bay Packers aren't making this decision for them. I mean, they're they're adding to – they're, they're putting turpentine on the fire at the same time because well, but, Mike Murphy's come out and said, you know what, well, we'll kind of see what's going on or, you know, yeah, we're going to – you know, we're talking in the past tense about having the MVP and I think we're ready to move on with Jordan Love. And, you know, we don't really know what we're going to do because we haven't really decided what we want to do. And, you know, we're kind of waiting to see what Aaron Why Hell, don't you make up your damn decision, damn minds for the Green Bay Packer faithful and say, you know what? Let's give this Jordan Love a year. Let's draft another quarterback. Let's find another quarterback. Okay. And let's move on. Because Aaron Rodgers was a tale of two halves in the season. The first half he was awful the second half he was much better they made the push to the playoffs they lost or they even make it in this story they didn't get there they almost made it you know but it was all like you said it's all about him it's not about the team he'll say oh he's carrying randall cobb and tanyan and the guys that he wants on the offensive line he's looking out for them and all that and there you see the swan song and the two guys on the horse leaving lambo and cobb and rogers holding each other's hands and, you know, and holding each other's, giving each other hugs as they go through the tunnel just adds to the drama. You want to make a decision, Green Bay, make up your mind. Get this done. Because if you don't this get is, this done by the draft, then you're going to have bigger problems. This and is for a the New York Jets, you can't wait any longer. You've missed yeah. out on Carr. You've missed out on Jimmy G. You're not going to, like, you're going to go wait for Jameis Winston? No, you're not going to do that. You know, Colin Kaepernick ain't coming back last time I checked. So, I mean, let's be honest here. You know, either figure out life, make a decision, and live with that decision. Let's go. Yeah, just just please make a decision soon because Packer fans all over getting, this is getting ridiculous for them. Including me. This is this is nothing you really want to keep talking about. So I'm gonna get off that subject because of the fact that it's so bad to talk about. Like ugh. anyway, let's go to something more joyful, at least for the US anyway. Um, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Theo, but yeah, 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 yeah. Team Canada. Well, no, I, I feel bad for the pitcher. I do, I do, because you you trot out a 19 Ernie Witt trots out a 19 year old pitcher to face a USA lineup filled with all stars. I don't blame the kid necessarily. I don't blame Ernie Witt because that's probably all he had to work with. I get it. But my God, every US fan knew that was probably going to be a mercy roll yesterday, uh, but even before the game. And if you're a Canadian fan, even, even if you don't follow it enough, you see a 19-year-old starter on the mound. You have to know this isn't going to end well. Okay, so you ever heard of like being starstruck? You know when you're a kid, Joe, and you see Brett Hall for the first time and you're nervous out of your boots. You're like, oh, my God, that's Brett Hall. Look at him. He's looking, he's looking right at me. I can't ask him for a signature. I'm too scared. I'm too nervous. Exactly. You know, think of you being a 19-year-old, Okay. And looking up and down that roster before you even get on the mound, you've already psyched yourself out, unfortunately. And I know athletes have, you know, psychologists and they have people that rally them and they, you know, focus on, you know, the competitive and what they can do and what they can't do and focus on what you can do. And we can go hours and hours and hours on that. I could talk to front-loading 
psychologist about that. But the bottom line is, this is a guy that's going against a lineup of all-stars. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, if I want to, you know, as much as you want to tell me that we lost by a mercy rule 12 to 1, let's talk about the game between the U.S. and Mexico. No, and hey, hey, hey I deserve it. I deserve it. You want to talk about Korea versus China? Let's roll that paperwork. And how about the game between Great Britain and Canada? Put up the most runs ever last week. And that mercy rule. Okay, you had three mercy rules in the games before this one. Now, Monday night was Not to mention Puerto Rico. Oh, that was a perfect game. Like, give me your head. Like, this, as much as we love the, the emotion of the WBC and the fan base and just the true honor of the game where you see the greats of each country play or the great teams put together to play. Yeah, there's going to be some close games and there's going to be some surprises, but there's going to be 22 to fives. There's going to be 22 to twos. There's going to be 18 to eights. There's going to be 12 to ones. Okay. That's just the way the world is built. Okay. Some teams have better baseball players. Some teams have better soccer players. Some teams have better hockey players. We just know that. Okay. We just know. Okay, so let's just say, hey, you know, you look at, I mean, you look at the American roster, they go, the first four guys go two for 15 against Mexico. Then last night, you know, my boy Trout, which is right up there, hits a three-run ball out of the yard to start the thing off, and the water slide just kept flowing. Lots of water. Yeah, great, you know, finally, maybe the American, maybe USA finally woke up. Let's see if they put a stinker in their next game. I don't know. Yeah, I just uh, I I couldn't believe when I saw that. Like the fact that Canada even has a baseball team. Like like I I don't mean to sound this way because baseball isn't Canadian sport. Isn't the sport of Canadians? It's hockey. So that's what make, makes me think Canada's not going to be long for this tournament. I mean, obviously. So and most Canadians don't even care to be honest with you, including you. Well, you do kind of, but I mean, Tyler O'Neill went four for four against Great Britain. So I mean. There's your boy hitting the ball, but it's against great. Britain. It's a, yeah, but that's the thing, you know. I I look for going toward actual baseball season to see guys like Tyler O'Neill hitting. Yeah, he went four for four and five at bats with a walk. Okay, but he did that against a hapless Great Britain pitching staff, which, by the way, have the worst uniforms in all of the World Baseball Classic. I don't know if you saw those things. It looked like they were made yeah, at a well, Walmart somewhere. Did, did you like? Did you like my uh, analogy there? Look like they were made in a uh, Walmart somewhere. There's, uh, yeah, that's, you know, there's some. There's been some terrible uniforms in any a lot of sports. That's up there. I'll agree. With you. Yeah, that that's very much up there. Uh, like the blues re- reverse retro from like two years ago with the red, the too much red. That that that's what I compare that to. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because. Any tiebreaker in this tournament, Theo, is runs. Okay, let's say, because there was a pool, I think it was pool B, all two and two. But all of those, or the two teams that advanced had the most runs scored. Right. In the second tiebreaker is ERA. Now, the USA really needs a good game on Wednesday against Columbia because they gave up a lot of runs against the uh, Mexican team. They kind of balance that by scoring a lot of, a lot of runs against Canada. Sure. So they, they just need they need a good game pitching wise against 
Columbia. They, they need a good game, period, but the pitching hasn't been great. When you have, and, and this is no respect to Adam Wainwright, no disrespect to Adam Wainwright, but when you have a 41-year-old last year in the major leagues pitcher starting the first game for you, that's got to worry you a little bit. That that it really has to worry you a little bit. Now, I'm sorry. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do pitching-wise to start this game tomorrow because the guy who everybody said was slated to start tomorrow had 22 pitches yesterday in Miles Michaelis. So it's not a great scenario going into the second round. I, I think they get there, but... In the second round, unlike 2017, they have to win. They can't lose a game in the second round. They cannot do it. So, it'll be interesting to see how Andy Pettit and and, uh, Mark DeRosa kind of juggle this pitching staff. That's for sure. So, it's been a fun classic to this point. But I kind of want to get off that because we got one more thing to talk about. And this is your theory. And and I'm sorry I have to bring this up because, Theo, just go ahead and explain to people what the hell was said with Kendrick Perkins. Or at least, at least kind of summarize it because I can't even. When I watched that the first time, I'm like, he said what? Go ahead. Uh, I mean, so what Joe's referring to is a, a scene or it was a, it was a about a nine minute monologue with uh, on ESPN between Molly, Stephen A., Kendrick Perkins, and J.J. Redick in regards to MVPs and MVP discussion and how the Joker should be, could be potentially a three-time MVP this year, back-to-back-to-back. Well, I'm not going to get into the whole end. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it you want. The bottom line is, first and foremost, having a clear, concise discussion and take on where your story or where your line is coming from. Number two, you cannot compare the idea of certain cultures, certain society outcome from different generations. And the idea of presentism and comparing MVPs in the past in any sport to the present and potentially the future. Now, real quick, when it comes to an MVP season or an MVP caliber player, okay, there are going to be players day in and day out that could be in the MVP talk. Always. You always have those players. But then you have the player that steps up even that much more. And they have a supreme superstar style type of season. And you look at some of the outcomes of why a player should be considered for an MVP. Of course, their own personal stats, points, shooting average, three-pointing, rebounding, you know, whatever personal stats you find on a baseball card or a basketball card. Well, then there's the other stats, the team stats, your win-loss record, you're winning at home, you're losing away, you're winning away, whether or not you make the playoffs, whether that team makes it to the NBA Finals, all of those stats come into play as well. Should they be considered an MVP? I do believe so. Because if you're not providing that spark to your team to make the finals, to even make the playoffs, 
you can have a phenomenal year. And yes, you could be the only player on that team. And if they say to you, well, take that player off that team and you'll only win eight games, well, is that player really helping that team make it to the playoffs? Or is they the fact that they were not selfish, but the team was selfish and not providing that player with the support staff to go further in? Now, I can't, you know, I'll take injury outside of this because when a player gets injured, like Kevin Durant, for example, yes, he is an MVP person. If he were to stay healthy and play a majority of a season, he along Joel Embiid, LeBron James, uh, you know, Dame Lillard, for example, all of those players would be considered an MVP caliber. But the Joker in Denver has done exactly that the last three years. And correct me if I'm wrong, the Denver Nuggets are in the first place in the West, are they not? And he has yes, Jamal yeah. Murray, and he has support staff in Denver. They've always done tremendous things. The one thing they have not done is make it to the finals. Well, Jokic is a little bit different player. He's not flashy like a LeBron. He certainly is not skillful like a Kobe. But he has got footwork and finesse around the board and the size and the demeanor to be polarizing, that if you say you take Joker off the Denver Nuggets, would they even be a playoff team? But forget that noise. He's on that team. He is playing a sub-30 point performance game a, a day, and he is making that team mm -hmm. win. And he's provided the resources to make his other players, his other teammates better. Yes, regardless of society, culture, whatever, if you were to be a basketball fan, or a non-basketball fan, sorry, and I were to show you five different players, stats, without the names attached, okay? If I included what you find on the back of the basketball card, plus what the team has done this year, Jokic would still be my MVP. And then if I were to flip the card around and say, here's who you voted for, I bet you 90% of people would still take Jokic as the MVP this year. I'm just saying. If it was just a stat line, he would be that guy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Agreed. Agreed. And no, I, I, how can I correct you? He's been the best player in the NBA the last three, four, five years. I mean... It... And consistency. What is your best ability? Being available and being reliable. And do you realize how hard it is to win MVP year in and year out? At least what we think Jokic is going to do for a third straight time? Do you, I mean, that's how good this man is. That you that's know, There should be no conversation, period, about culture, whatever. If you are a good basketball player on the best team in basketball, or at least one of them, your MVP, period, period. Yeah. Most valuable player to me in any sport, Theo. Oh, oh, hold on one second. Most valuable player in any sport. We got to get out of here soon. Most valuable play player in each sport. What do they do? Help your team get to the playoffs outside of maybe Mike Trout a couple of years in the in uh, Los Angeles. 
Yeah. yeah, sorry to even bring that up, but yeah, the, that's a special case. If so, it's most valuable player for a reason. He's the best player on one of the best teams in basketball. He should be MVP. Period. Period. Like I said, you know, name another player in the NBA this year has been more available than Jokic. You can't. Name another player that's been more reliable than Jokic. You can't. You can't. Name another player that makes his teammates better game in and game out because he's completed A and B. You can't. As talented as Kevin Durant is, as talented as Joel Embiid is, as talented and I don't know, I'm not, as talented as amazing as LeBron James is, you know, as amazing as Tatum, you can list six or seven other players that potentially could be Giannis. I mean, we don't even bring up Giannis. I mean, he's a phenomenal basketball star. You're, you're forgetting one player. You're but forgetting one player. Luka. Luka. Yeah, Luka Doncic. I mean, but the thing is, right now, like, if you looked at the three, Luka, Giannis, and Nico, I mean, those three players are not guards. Those three players are not ball carriers. Those three players are big boys. The fault philosophy the gameplay has changed in the nba you know like gone are the days of kobe bryant michael jordan you know kobe was a kobe was an mvp for very good reason and michael jordan is probably the best mvp you talk about a guy that always wins makes his team win will do anything but win that was michael jordan that was that relentlessness which I will share that book later on next week with you. He was relentless. He had that he had that closer mentality that LeBron that sorry Kobe Bryant had. And now we're seeing Jokic and Doncic and Giannis start having that now. They haven't built it just yet, but they are getting that. And that's why you know the Jokers the Jokers going to do something that Probably a lot of NBA top 50 players have never done. Like, yeah, he is. It, yeah. Best player in basketball, I believe, for his entire career. You know, you know, back and back, I, I and, and not just that, Theo, with everything that's been going on with John Morant, you know, this could be the best player. I thought John Morant was going to take that over. You know, because he was 23 years oh. old, whatever. And I, I know we won't get into it, but now it's all Jokic. Yeah. With that happening, it's all on Jokic now. So um, we got to get out of here, though. Uh, so, Theo, great show again. Thank you for always coming on with me, always being there for me. Um, you got anything to say before we get out of here? Shout out to a couple of things. One, uh, a legend in uh bud grant passed away 95 years old he was a quarterback legend here in winnipeg but he also was a court uh, legend in the states i believe he was with green bay again if i'm wrong he was also like athlete of the century in uh one of the states there passed away last week as well we run something up here in canada called craft hockeyville where we celebrate four different small communities with the opportunity to win a 
buckload of money for, uh, you know, their local community center. And St. Anne, Manitoba, which is a small community, just about a half hour away from me, is one of the four finalists. And hopefully they get a shot at shout to uh, and a chance to win some cash. Uh, they got 25 and an already. NHL game. Time. And an NHL game, exactly, which would be kind of cool for the community. But uh, a lot of these arenas that they, you know, when they do their vignette and they do their storyline, definitely need the renovations and definitely need the support. And uh, good luck to them because a Manitoba city has never won craft hockeyville in the 15 years that it's been around so we've had a couple of cities a couple of towns uh represented but just haven't pulled the pin so hopefully they do well and good luck to them good luck to them for sure and also there's a game on tonight that's basically all gonna be animated that's gonna be interesting i i gotta get that recorded yeah. <laughs> capitals rangers that's gonna be all all animated that should be interesting so uh for theo i'm joe thank you guys for watching as, as always, you can follow and like us on Facebook and Twitter. Also, our podcast page, wherever you find your podcast, go follow us there. Have a good week, everybody, and see you next week.